Chapter 1. Trouble at Home It was one of those unusually cold and rainy nights that Phoenicians rarely see. The rain hitting the window cut through the otherwise deafening silence in the office of attorney David Johnson. It was the end of January in Gilbert, Arizona, a growing suburb of Phoenix. To anyone who had lived in the Valley of the Sun for more than a few years, January nights were downright cold. Unlike the snowbirds who wear shorts and t-shirts in the middle of January, the locals' blood had thinned, and they wore coats in the winter. All the lights in the office suite were off, except for David's. His staff had left a couple of hours ago, but he barely noticed. He felt a pang of guilt for being less than responsive to his team as they said goodnight. He offered little more than a wave of his hand, with his head buried in his work. David created a level of expectation in his office that a 40-hour work week was for wimps, and he didn't hire wimps. If you worked for David's firm, you had better be in before 8 a.m. and not plan on leaving before 6 p.m. That's what all law firms did to become successful. They simply outworked everyone. He was sure that was the secret to their success. The problem was, David didn't feel successful. Every time payroll came around, his stomach was in knots, worrying where the money would come from. His income wasn't much higher than when he'd worked for the last law firm he'd worked for, and his savings, what little there was, wasn't growing. As David sat there, he glanced at the clock. It read 8.52 p.m. He began to wonder, is this what my life is going to be like forever? If I had known that opening my own firm meant I wouldn't see my kids grow up, I'd never take a vacation without my cell phone, I'd work nearly every night and every weekend. Jen and I were going to be constantly at odds because of my work schedule, and my income would stay the same. Would I have made the same choices? I'm doing what all the mentors in my past told me to do. Work hard. And I'm demanding it of my staff, too. But it doesn't seem to matter. The more work I do, the more work appears. And there's no help to support it and no money to hire help. Is this really what I signed up for? Recognizing his thought patterns as a symbol of being overtired, David packed it in for the night and headed home. He took it slow on the slick, rainy roads of Gilbert, but the ride home didn't do much to make him feel at ease. He longed to see his kids, and Jen, he imagined his kids, Nathan and Julie, running to give him a big hug, and his wife Jen, with that smile, the one that melted his heart, greeting him at the door. He'd hoped dinner would be on the table, and they'd all talk and laugh about the day. But when he pulled into the garage and walked into the house, he found the rooms mostly dark, the kids in bed, dinner wrapped in foil on the stove, and Jen at the kitchen table paying bills. She gave him that look that said, When is this all going to be over? When will we get our life back? I miss you, and so do the kids. It was the look that cut right through David, and often ended in an argument. Not because Jen was wrong, but because she was right, and David didn't have any answers. I would love to be home with the family. Doesn't she know that? Does she think I want to work most nights and weekends? Doesn't she know I'm trying to work harder so someday we can have all the time we need together? David thought to himself, and just gave Jen a kiss on the forehead instead. How was your day? David said, as he started to unpack his dinner at the table. Not bad. Anything fun happen with the kids today? No, not really. Same as always. Okay, David said, slowly, but with a hint of sarcasm, as if to say, so I guess we're not going to talk tonight. 
David, I'm tired. I'm going to wash up and head to bed, Jen said as she gave David a quick kiss on the cheek goodnight. Sounds good. David sat at the table, aggravated, and finished his dinner. He rationalized the situation to himself. I'm more romantic than my father was, and I'm around more for the kids, too. David's dad was always on the road, so the family rarely saw him. And when they did, he was on the phone or headed to the office. At least David didn't have to travel. What does Jen want me to do? Close the practice and go to work for another firm? At this point in my life, I'm unemployable. I certainly couldn't sell the firm. Who's going to buy it? There's no profit. There's just my draw, which doesn't amount to much more than a third-year associate. David didn't know what to do. So, he did what came naturally, and gobbled down his food and grabbed a beer to take the edge off. If I keep eating late meals and drinking too much, I won't fit into my suits soon. David thought to himself, found his favorite recliner, and turned on the TV. After firing off some last-minute late-night emails from his cell phone and catching up on Sports Center, David hit the bed like a rock. Unfortunately, sleep came in short, hour-long bursts and then left him staring at the ceiling. By three in the morning, David had given up on sleep. Now awake and groping his way to the kitchen, trying not to wake Jen and at the same time attempting to avoid stubbing his toe, he reached the refrigerator and started the familiar routine of warming up a glass of milk. Meanwhile, Jen noticed that the bed felt light and woke to discover David missing. She made her way to the kitchen and found him at the table. Couldn't sleep, she said. No, I think it was the late dinner. David looked up at Jen, and she could tell that he didn't believe what he was saying any more than she did. Jen paused because she didn't want to start another argument about David's late nights. But she could, though, see an opportunity to talk, so she pulled a chair next to David, sat and started to rub his neck, feeling how tense he was. She decided to take a soft approach. Hun, I get it. Your plate is full of work, and I'm so proud of what you've built. You help so many people with their problems. But I'm wondering, who will help you with yours? How are you going to take some things from the office off your plate to make room for yourself and the family? David ran both hands through his short brown hair, looking like he was trying to squeeze the tension out of his head. It was uncanny how Jen could instantly be on the same wavelength he was. He had those very same thoughts just moments ago. That's a great question. Do you remember what we used to dream about? The vacations we were going to take at the beach with the kids and maybe a summer home up north to get out of the heat? Yeah, now I'd settle for a weekend at the Marriott with you, without your cell phone or laptop, Jen added. David didn't say anything, but he visibly stiffened at his wife's comments. He thought Jen was comparing him to her brother Stephen. He was a lawyer too, but he worked for a medium-sized law firm in the valley. He didn't work late nights or weekends and appeared to make more money than David. When their families had vacationed together, Stephen never had to check with the office or answer his cell phone, and his wife Susan was sure to point that out to Jen. David's laptop and cell phone were connected to his hip and Jen never failed to remind him of this. Jen recognized David's body posture. Before you go letting your mind wander, no, I'm not comparing us to Stephen and Susan. That's good to hear, but I don't know what it'll take. I've gotten on my knees and begged for guidance. I'm not sure God's listening. Jen looked at David compassionately. I promise he's listening, but our job is to trust that he'll do his part in his time and not ours. It's also our job to act. He'll do anything for us, but he rarely does anything in our lives without us. I do trust him, 
and I do trust you. But I'll admit I'm frustrated too. We need a plan. If you could find your way home two or three nights a week for dinner, it would make all the difference in the world. Don't you think I desperately want to spend more time with you and the kids? Sure I do, David, Jen said as she put her hand on David's arm to reassure him she meant what she said. I want to help coach Nathan's ball teams and spend more time with Julie. I want to take vacations, and I'd love a regular date night with you. But I'm just not sure how to get there. I know I need more money to hire someone to help me, but whenever we get busier, there's more work for me, and I run out of time to hire someone. Then, when things slow down, I use whatever surplus the new business has created to make it through the lean times. Not to mention, I'm not paying myself any more than I was when I left the firm. So how can I justify hiring another attorney? David, I want all those things too, and I'm confident you'll figure it out. One of the things I love most about you is your ability to dream, and to dream big. But, for now, can we start small? If you could promise to make it home just two nights a week for dinner, it would mean the world to us. David didn't know what to say. He was struck by the simplicity of Jen's request. Yet, he was also at a loss. He had no idea how to give her what she was asking for. But at least he had clarity. He now had a goal as simple as it was. It was something to shoot for, and throughout David's life, he always achieved his goals. Jen, I have no idea how I'll make that happen. But I promise that my primary goal for our family is to make it home in time for dinner twice a week. Good. Now that's settled, let's get back to bed. And since we're up anyway, maybe you and I can make up for some lost time in other areas of our life that have suffered lately. Jen looked at David seductively with those eyes, and he knew instantly what she meant. At first, he was surprised, since the romantic side of their marriage had suffered along with everything else due to David's schedule. But he wasn't going to pass up this opportunity. Sleep be damned. They ran like newlyweds back to the bedroom.